What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder Podcast, back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, you can listen to our early week podcasts on Apple, Spotify, wherever you watch, listen, do whatever you do with podcasts. You could certainly check that out there. And Jeff, we knew this game, Saints-Rams, would have some sort of twists and turns, just like any kind of Saints-Rams game. But I would say that this game that we watched today, of course, the Saints lose 27-9 to at the Coliseum. And I would equate this to a one-day trip to football hell for the Saints. Drew Brees goes down with an injury. An officiating blunder costs the Saints a touchdown. And Jeff, just going forward, I think the Saints fans, the Saints organization – uh, in both of those subject matters, they've got to be dizzy right now. They have to be. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, Larry. I think this was like realizing your worst nightmares all in one afternoon. I mean, the Saints also had a bunch of other players go out with injuries. And uh, it was, they got dominated in the second half uh, to a rival that they uh, you know, really wanted to uh, show up today. And uh, I think the, the doom that everyone feels right now is the uncertainty with Drew Brees going forward, knowing uh, that you're one and one right now and you've got two tough games coming up. And uh, let's face it, the performance uh, once Brees went out of the game was less than inspiring. It didn't lead to a lot of hope uh, for Saints fans uh, going forward. So, yeah, just all in all, uh, just about as bad as you could – uh, have an afternoon go. Yeah, and let's just start with Drew Brees' injury. It, it's something that for how many years, Jeff, we've always had the precursor of, man, the Saints go as far as Drew Brees can take them, and uh, such and such, we'd expect this unless something happens to Drew Brees. I mean, we've said it for 14 years now, and now we've seen a rather significant injury, and it was in the first quarter Drew Brees is trying to throw a pass, and it's also a byproduct of what we saw all day, the Rams getting in quarterback space and really just owning the Saints up front. I mean, Sean Payton was so frank about how they got whooped in the offensive line, and when that happens, something like this can happen. Drew Brees' right hand, his thumb gets hit by Aaron Donald, and that ended his day. And Teddy Bridgewater came into the game uh, later in the first quarter, and Drew Brees just kind of stood there, watched as the game went forward. And Jeff, I, I know you're. I'm in Los Angeles right now. You're back in New Orleans, and so you didn't get have a chance to really catch up and, and see Drew Brees in person at the press conference. But I could just tell you, how long have we seen someone like Drew be just ultra positive? And there was no shred of positive from Drew. He was down. He knew something was up. Didn't doesn't know the exact severity as of uh, Sunday night. But I've never seen him more down about himself than I've ever in my 14 years of covering him. Yeah, I watched the uh, post game press conference, and 
you're exactly right. I mean, you can tell we've covered Drew enough to know. I mean, he's what? What's the term? Annoying, annoyingly optimistic, and uh, there was no optimism in his voice at all. He knows something's wrong. Uh, the fact that he didn't go back into the game, I think, speaks volumes. He's played with so many injuries in the past. Uh, he could not hold a football. That is not a good sign. That indicates some kind of structural issue. I do think there was one shred of positivity in that he did have an X-ray. He told uh, told you guys afterwards. If he'd had something broken in there, I think there would have been a report or there would have been some kind of – he would have indicated as such. So to me, that indicates there's probably some kind of – I'm not a doctor. I want to speculate, but some kind of maybe ligament damage uh, on his thumb. I guess we'll find out tomorrow when he sees a specialist. But it doesn't look good. And, uh, you know, this is what every Saints fan has feared for the entire time uh, in Drew Brees' tenure. Uh, They've avoided – uh, this lengthy type of injury in 13 years. Other organizations have dealt with it. Uh, certainly the Patriots have done it with Brady. We've seen the Packers struggle uh, when Aaron Rodgers went down. We all know the issues that Andrew Lux had. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's missed time. Uh, it, you know, you you have to overcome this. I know we can talk about this going forward, but this is, this is what happens in the NFL. And the Saints, uh, I think, are prepared – uh, to deal with it, but make no mistake about it, uh, there is a drastic drop off from Drew Brees to anybody else on this roster at quarterback, and it's a, it's I, I've said it a while ago. It's the biggest challenge I think in in the Sean Payton era so far for the Saints. Oh, Sean Payton, by the way, too gets a five year contract extension, and that is such an afterthought uh, after what's going on. But I think this is going to be one of the most difficult coaching scenarios for Sean Payton in his Saints coaching career. I mean, he's always had Drew. And and Drew, heck, hasn't always had Sean. (laughs) But the Saints have always had Drew. So this is definitely something that we have not seen. We know Drew Brees has only missed one game in his career, his Saints career, uh, with an injury, and that was back in 2015. And he only missed one game. I'm just going to suspect that Drew Brees is going to miss games, plural, uh, maybe five or six. I'm just going to throw that out there and call it a safe assumption. But we don't know exactly as of right now when we're recording this pod. But uh, it's, to me, something that will be a big challenge, not just for the team, but how is Sean Payton going to structure this offense? What plays can he call? Which plays will he not be comfortable in calling? And Jeff, I've told some people after the game, I thought, what if Sean Payton goes Steve Spurrier, mid-90s Florida, where he's rotating quarterbacks in uh, every other series, something crazy. I don't know if it'll be that drastic, but he's got to tinker with probably playing Taysom Hill. Would you think that might be something he, he concocts? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. He'll have a plan. The one thing I would say, you know, our assistant coach told me earlier this year when I was doing an interview with him about Sean Payton, he said he thrives on adversity. He thrives on crises. Well, he's got one now. I mean, this is in relative football terms, a crisis. And he embraces these situations. I think it comes from the Bill Parcells uh, tenure that he had. But he will have a plan for Seattle, and it will be creative and I think it will use Taysom Hill in, in a platoon kind of situation, or at least a larger role with Teddy Bridgewater. But 
he is going to use this, I think, to galvanize this team, to challenge this team. Uh, and look, it can't all be doom and gloom. We, we know how great Drew Brees is. Uh, we know he's almost irreplaceable. But look, the, the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl with their backup quarterback You know, just two years ago. It can happen. Uh, but the leadership in the locker room, along with this coaching staff, have to get creative and have to kind of step up, for lack of a better term, uh, in this uh, you know time of crisis. And I know what Teddy Bridgewater showed today is probably not giving Saints fans a ton of optimism. Just for reference, his numbers, 17 of 30, 165 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, two sacks. His longest completion was 28 yards. His quarterback rating was 72.2. But I also have to agree with Sean Payton after the game and a lot of the players they did not give him a lot of help. I mean, the running game, 20 carries, 57 yards. Alvin Kamara only averaged three and a half yards a carry. His longest run was for 12 yards. And it also didn't help Teddy that he came up against the Rams on the road. That would be challenging for many, many starting quarterbacks in the NFL to get a win on the road, much less coming in in relief of Drew Brees and a lot of people that, and we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater, you and me a ton over the the past year. And I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Teddy and I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Taysom. and I'm not ready to throw in the towel on the season, frankly. No, I'm with you. I think that's the uh, gut reaction or the, you know, knee jerk reaction. Uh, but I think just like we saw when the saints, played with Luke McCown and back in 2015. They went to Carolina. That was when Carolina was very good. And uh, they've had a very uh, competitive game. They almost won that game with Luke McCown. And uh, I think they'll have a similar type of bounce back this week in Seattle. Now, I don't know if it'll be good enough. Seattle's obviously a very good team. Uh, they've got a tough stretch here, the Saints do, against a couple of very good defensive teams. Uh, and I, I think Teddy Bridgewater will play much better after having a full week of preparation, assuming he does play this week. Uh, it'll be a different game plan. Everything will be tailored to his strengths. Uh, but I think this team will show some resiliency. We've seen it from them before, and I'm not ready to count them out at all. I'm with you. And also, people are probably wondering, why didn't they play Taysom Hill at quarterback? Well, they're banged up at wide receiver now. Keith Kirkwood gets hurt Right after you turn in the inactives, I I don't know what happened, but it was a wild occurrence. Of course, Traquan Smith got injured as well. Uh, so Taysom Hill had to play wide receiver. He, Sean Payton said it, that, that was the third wide receiver. So, it, But if they're banged up at wide receiver, Austin Carr will probably play next week. Maybe they elevate um, Emmanuel Butler or a little Jordan Humphrey off the, off the practice squad. But they couldn't just play him on the fly. And I, I think... Uh, some of those play calls that Sean likes to run with Taysom and Drew, uh, where Taysom is quarterback, I don't think he felt comfortable doing that. So, but I guess moving forward, Jeff, how much do you think that Teddy and Taysom can run this offense uh, percentage-wise of the the plays that Drew Brees can run? 50, 70, 80? I, I, I don't think he can run every play in the arsenal is kind of where I'm going. Yeah, look, I, I think they can – Here's what I think will be different about it. I think he can run the plays that they have. Uh, you know, I think he knows enough about the playbook now to run whatever they want to run. I think the real drop off is 
all the stuff that Drew does at the line, just from being in the league 13, 14 years, he's so familiar with this offense. He does so much on his own of checking into the right play, checking out of plays, getting guys lined up, all these things that he does that I don't think people are aware of that you really can't see. You don't really know what he's saying because you're not on the field. That's where they're going to have the drop-off. And so it's those little incremental things that uh, you know will subtract from this offense. And I think we saw some of it today. I mean, uh, probably some of those protection issues probably wouldn't happen if Breeze is in there because he's probably a little better at, at knowing what to check to in protection than Bridgewater. Some of the timing elements were off. And I know Mike Thomas dropped a pass. It was a little bit behind him, just a little bit off. You know, all those things add up. And I think it really hits home for everyone when you see someone like Teddy Bridgewater coming in trying to replace Drew Breeze. Uh, you really start to appreciate how great Breeze really is. Now, we did see some protection issues for sure. But, Jeff, how surprised are you to see the offensive line just struggle so mightily. I mean, the fact that we're, we haven't even gotten to some of the defensive breakdowns that we saw, but how surprised are you to see this? I know Aaron Donald's all world, but my gosh, it seemed like no one could handle him uh, or anyone else on that defensive front for the Rams. Yeah, that was as dominant of a defensive performance by one player as I've seen in a long time against the Saints. Uh, they had no one that could block him. Whoever he went against, he just totally manhandled. He, he was almost like a one-man wrecking crew out there. He destroyed a couple of drives single-handedly. And let's it, you made a great point earlier, Larry. I mean, we, we've always heard Sean Payton talk about their offense starts with protecting the quarterback. It's like the number one thing that he emphasizes. And one of the main reasons he emphasizes it is it just exactly what happened. You get guys hurt. You get your most important player hurt. It's one of the things that he, uh, you know, has the least tolerance for is the quarterback getting hit. And we saw what happened today. Uh, the worst case scenario played out because they couldn't protect. And it's not just one offensive lineman. Jeff, six offensive linemen for the Saints were called for penalties. Every one of the starters and will clap when Andres Pete left with an injury. That's unheard of in Saints land. Absolutely unheard of. Yeah, and couldn't block, like you said, could not block for the run. That was a big element as well. We knew going into the game they had to have some kind of balance. They had to have a little bit of a running game to kind of temper that pass rush from the Rams. And when they could not muster any yards on the ground, really anything of note, I think one – one gain longer than 10 yards in the game, 12 yards. Uh, you knew that was a recipe for disaster. The Rams could turn back their ears with the pass rush. And now you don't have Andres Pete. It seems like he's out now. Uh, obviously, Will Clapp or Cameron Tom's going to have to fill in there. Uh, yeah, things just kind of snowballing on the Saints right now, and it's all it's all bad. Well, Jeff, don't forget Cameron Tom out for the year. I, I, oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, so, totally blanked so, on that. Yeah, and Nick Easton was a healthy and active today. Just goes to show you what they think uh, about him in that he's a healthy and active and Will Clapp's playing. So musical chairs, a possibility as well there. So Jeff, and look, it's it's not like when when you think of Teddy Bridgewater and you think of Taysom Hill, uh, like I, I'm trying to be almost a – 
a reality check to people where I don't think it's total gloom and doom. But I understand Saints's, uh, the Saints fans' apprehension here. I mean, I understand it. And it's something that we have never really had to endure in watching him. And, man, it's – I think you're hoping to go 4-4 four and four through eight games. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. If you go 4-4 four and four and somehow get Drew Brack uh, in the latter half of the season, uh, I think – that that should be a, a victory. Uh, I, I don't know if that's too much, if that's too little. I don't, I don't know, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's a realistic goal, and I think it's probably uh, would be good enough for this team. They're so talented. We saw the Saints last year win a lot of games in a lot of different ways. It was one of the strengths of this team a year ago. They could win a game every once in a while with their defense. They could win it with the running game. Special teams, they, they have a lot of different contributing factors to their success. They've got to lean on those now. They've got to become a more complete team. It's not always going to be about Breeze now. It can't be about the passing game. Uh, they've got to figure out a formula to help them scratch out a couple of wins, especially over the next couple of weeks playing Seattle and Dallas, two very good teams. Uh, if they could somehow steal one of those games, I think all of a sudden you start getting a little more confidence and, uh, you know, you can feed off that going forward. The schedule will lighten a little bit uh, after you get through this first uh, quarter of the season. But somehow they've got to they've got to find a way to win a game. And the, I think the real fear or maybe the apprehension, Larry, that a lot of people are feeling uh, is that they're not seeing much else to hang their hat on. I mean, I thought the, the defense played well enough in the first half today to keep the Saints in this thing, play great red zone defense. But then it just started to unravel for them in the second half as well. And I think fans are feeling like there's not really anywhere you can turn to where you see a real strength in this team so far through two games. I do think, though, that we have to understand that this first few stretch of games was going to be a challenge, even for a Saints team that would be completely healthy. So I think people need to understand that. But also I I do think that, uh, man – Saints go say one in three after the first four games, not the route they thought they would take, and then doubt might come in. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious just to see how this team responds, especially next week against Seattle. Uh, I think that will be a bit of an indicator of how quickly and how much resolve the Saints have, not just offensively, but. But defensively, because I think the defense now understands, man, and then I can't, they're not going to say this publicly, but boy, Drew Brees can't bail them out all the time. I mean, like we, we've had to see a, a lot of times over the past few years. Well, I, the other point I'd, I'd make, Larry, is thank goodness they beat the Texans. I mean, if it wasn't for that miraculous last drive, they'd be sitting here 0-2, and then you'd really be uh, in a pickle having to play Seattle and Dallas. But after you get past those two games, you got Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. Those are winnable games, I think. Uh, you've got Arizona at home. So I think they could get to four wins uh, in that next stretch uh, and, and go to the bye week at four and four. And I think that's realistic, assuming, of course, we're leaping to all these conclusions right now, assuming Breeze is going to be out for a stretch. Uh, but one thing we do know about Drew is uh, he's a fast healer because he works his tail off. He came back from his shoulder recovery faster than anybody has ever come back from that injury. Uh, So whatever he has, you know uh, more than likely he's going to come back 
in good in good stead. He's going to come back quickly. Uh, so let's see what the diagnosis is after he sees the specialist tomorrow. Jeff, the storyline that I mentioned that got buried uh, as the game went along, Sean Payton's contract extension. Uh, this, to me, uh, is far more expected than the last time we saw him get a contract extension of March of 2016. What are your thoughts on him getting the deal and probably quiets uh, any sort of potential move because we always, uh, last few years, uh, one way or another from some reporter or, or just where he's actually looking to move, at least that, that, that fades away. Yeah, smart move for the organization, getting the best coach in the history of the franchise locked up long term. Uh, not surprising at all. Anyone that's been around Peyton the last year or so knows that he's completely bought in now. Uh, that wasn't the case a few years ago. Uh, I think there was a, a real strong possibility that he would have moved on or the organization would have moved on without him. Uh, but they have mended those fences, come back together, um, and um, I, I think the future is bright for the organization. You could sense it this offseason when Peyton was talking about all the uh, upgrades they've made at the facility. He goes on and on about the, the new squad room and the state-of-the-art video system in there. I mean, all these things are uh, – I know he's heavily involved in trying to get the cafeteria upgraded. All these things were indicators to me that he was all involved out there. He was into it and didn't sound anything like a coach that might have a wondering eye or might be wondering about some going someplace else in the future – because he's been so involved in trying to do all these upgrades out the facility. So uh, I, like, I think it's a, a great win-win for the organization and for Sean Payton, because uh, now he's got uh, he's locked in here at what has become like his, his real home, I guess, at this point of his life. And it shows to me that he wants to develop the next quarterback that the Saints get. I mean, when will that be? I don't know. But we're all under the assumption now that Sean Payton will be there to – coach and groom the heir apparent and I, I do think that's important before we switch over to more officiating hell uh, simple question saints defense are they this porous or do you think that maybe they just ran into deshaun watson deandre hopkins and a good rams team well how do you assess this defense right now well, I think there's some questions early on uh, that you have to be wondering about, especially in the secondary on the back end. I think there's some encouraging signs. Today we saw the, the Saints' defensive line really dominated up front. I thought Cam Jordan uh, really was almost pulling on Aaron Donald there for a while. He was all over the place. Marcus Davenport had great um, pressure a couple of times. Trey Hendrickson, of course, with the big play that we're getting ready to talk about, uh, his he has three sacks now in the year. I think got to be one of the tops in the league. So there's some encouraging signs up front. But if the pass rush doesn't get there, if the pressure doesn't get there, Larry, uh, we've just seen it time and time again. They're giving up too many big plays downfield. And I'm not sure anybody's playing with any confidence back there on the back end, including Marshawn Lattimore, who we know is easily their best uh, corner. But he gave up some plays today to Brandon Cooks. Now, the, the big long play – I thought it was just a tremendous passing, an incredible catch by Cooks. Uh, wasn't necessarily awful coverage, but it seems like we talk about that once a week here now with somebody in the secondary getting beaten. 
Yep, and you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Let's get to it. Third game in a row where the officials have had to acknowledge a blunder, whether it's in-game, after the game. I have now talked to head of officiating Al Riveron two weeks in a row because there was a discrepancy. And, Jeff, this one... Do I think it was the end-all, be-all to the result of the game? No, but we'll never know what hap- what would have happened if the Saints were allowed the touchdown. Of course, Trey Hendrickson, strip sacks, uh, Jared Goff. The ball kind of flutters backwards a little bit, and Cam Jordan picks up and takes off, and referees blow it dead, call it an incomplete pass, and... Just by my conversation uh, with Al Riveron after the game, that that's not the way that they want to teach officials to do things, to blow it dead, let it play out, and that did not happen. And I understand probably 700,000% that Saints fans are pissed. And I can't blame them. I can't. No, look, one one's bad enough. Two's ridiculous. The third time is just uh, unacceptable. No fan base, no team should be put in this circumstance, in this situation. Uh, you know, at some point, enough's enough, and and fans are going to start questioning, rightfully so, the competence of the officiating crew. I just start to think, Larry, that the game is moving too fast for these men. I don't know what the problem is. I'm not down on the on the field, but there's just too many mistakes being made. If we saw a big one at the end of the of the Bears-Broncos game, very similar type of situation, just one of these bang-bang calls that they blew. And um, it's a crisis to some degree, public relations-wise, for the NFL uh, with their fans, the ones that have bought into this game and made it the most popular sport in the league, but yet can't get these procedural calls right. And that's what stood out to me from your conversation with Al Riveron was that this is something that they emphasize, and yet here – and the whistle appeared to me, and I wasn't on the field, but just the TV copy of the audio sounded very late in the um, in the play that it was called dead, and I didn't see an official indicating an uh, you know an incomplete pass when it happened. It looked like everybody froze again, and then somebody late blew his whistle. I don't understand that at all. I think it's completely unacceptable. And and I'm with you. Like I actually don't think the Saints would have won this game. Uh, but we don't know that. All of a sudden, there's a little more game pressure on the Rams. If the Saints get that big play, momentum turns and things change. But just it, it's difficult to say that game that call cost them the game. But three times in a row, the NFL's had to apologize for a blown call. Yeah, and this time around, uh, I knew I was going to have to try to get some sort of explanation outside of saying, "Hey, Al Riveron." Let me know what happened on the play and what should have happened, like against the Texans. And they knew that they had to screw – the procedure was screwed up with the 15-second disparity, and they had to bite it. But also, I do think even in this one that Riveron kind of danced around it a little bit. He didn't want to totally throw the officials under the bus just because this was – just a human, you blew the whistle and you call it dead. And that's sometimes that does happen in the NFL. This isn't the first time we've seen something like this. 
But when it happens three times in a row, you can't help but be Cam Jordan and go to the podium and uh, belittle the referees. And uh, you can't help but feel frustration for the Saints fans and, uh, of course, the Saints organization. And you got to wonder, when is this going to stop? And I don't know when it's going to stop. I just assume every week, Jeff, I'm going to have to talk to Al Riveron. I mean, this is chaos. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, I think the, the fear I would have, if, and, and I think this – this might be what what we heard from Sean Payton already. I, and I really believe Sean Payton thinks this way, and I don't think it was by accident that he did not go into lamenting the officiating after the game because he knows they've got bigger concerns now. They cannot fall into a victim mentality uh, or else they're going to roll over and next thing you know they're going to be 1-5 or something. Uh, they've got to uh, move on, cannot allow that to be an excuse because uh, they just the season could slip away from them, and I think that's why he was the way he was after this game. Uh, even though it's completely unacceptable, and you're right, it, c- it cannot happen three times to one one team in three games. I mean, that's just that's unbelievable that that's happened, and I don't know how the NFL gets past it. But for the team's sake, Sean Payton is the leader of this team. Now that his leader on the field, Drew Brees, is down, he's got to assume this steely. Uh, you know, kind of face in the face of adversity. Uh, And I think that's why he was the way he was after the game. Well, there was enough issues that, and the the Saints kept that game close enough to where, uh, you know, because of those issues, that's what got him beat in the end. I mean, this game was, it's so weird to me that, that, oh, wow, this game was six to six uh, in what, the third quarter? And it's, it was it, it it was close enough, and the Saints, if their offensive line would have played better, uh, if at times the defense would have played better, uh, they could have kept this thing close, and maybe it would have come down to a field goal or something. But but the fact that they lost twenty seven to nine, and you saw some issues, and the offensive line issues surprised me. We're seeing some lack of consistent play in the secondary they had some penalties there as well extends drives so we're, we're seeing and I agree with you Jeff that Sean Payton came out instead of harping on it said look this film is going to be rough for for a lot of guys and he's right I mean just the offensive line in general Jared Cook it's not like he played picture perfect out there either uh, with some uh drop dropping the pass after the big hit interception that then he gets called for a penalty later on in the game. And so lots of things that they have to turn to uh, as the Saints head off to Seattle. And Jeff, maybe uh, maybe you'll bring him good luck. You'll be covering him in Seattle uh, next week. I'll be home uh, in New Orleans. So maybe it's just me. Maybe they just need to – I need to step, step away for a second. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. This team seems so cursed right now with so many things. Uh, but, you know, they're not alone. And, and I know Saints fans probably don't want to hear that right now, but I just watched the Eagles-Falcons game tonight. And I don't know if you saw that, but the Falcon, Eagles had all three of their top receivers injured, including tight end Dallas Goddard and Carson Wentz was playing injured in the game. They were down to no receivers, had to use their running backs. Uh, so this unfortunately happens in the NFL. And um, you just got the best teams are the ones that overcome it and deal with the adversity and don't make excuses with it because it's it happens across the league. It's just the first time the Saints have had to deal with it 
at quarterback, the most important position in 13 years. And that alone is remarkable. It's an amazing run of uh, dependability by Drew Brees and of good health. And this was kind of a fluke injury. Uh, and, and to be honest, frankly, it's it's not the end of the world because it doesn't look like it's going to be a season-ending injury as far as we know. Uh, and maybe they can get him back in a short period of time and get back in this thing. And Jeff, this is what uh, happens uh, when you have an injury, the backup comes in, but I mean, another small itty bitty silver lining, you'll certainly get a good taste to see if Teddy or Taysom could be a candidate to succeed breeze at some point. I mean, small silver lining, but you'll be able to see that, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. And we're going to find out very quickly uh, if Teddy Bridgewater can be the future quarterback here or if Teddy, if Taysom Hill's ready to play quarterback in the NFL. I think it's going to be a really creative game plan going forward. And I think there's a small part of Sean Payton and this offensive coaching staff that will look at this as, a, as an opportunity to galvanize the team and uh, come up with a game plan to, to get a win. I, I don't, I'm not ready to bury this team at all so far, but they've got to play a lot better uh, in a lot of different areas, especially along the offensive line got to be able to run the ball better and then they got to get better on the back end. So there's other areas of concern right now. And I think that's why Sean Payton is, uh, you know, so uh, concerned right now with the way his team's playing because they're not playing their A game and not even close to it right now. No. And uh, yeah, the, but you're right. The week one win does at least help them uh, try to weather the storm. They're not completely behind it at 0 and 2, but no saints go down to the Rams 27 to nine. Of course, uh, look, they have to play at Seattle, then take on the Cowboys in that difficult opening four-game stretch, and then we'll see what happens. But, uh, look, we're going to keep trucking forward here, Duncan Holder Podcast, and I could tell you something really exciting we're actually going to be doing, Jeff, and the timing couldn't have been better, but uh, here at The Athletic and our friends over at Wandry, we're just launching our daily new sports show called The Lead, and I can tell you the first one is a look back at the NOLA no-call in depth and will be something I could tell you that I participated in and I'm really looking forward to the daily series we're going to have at The Athletic called The Lead. Look, it's our first daily sports news podcast. It'll cover everything from the world stage to the hometown uh, to all over here, there, everywhere, we're going to cover the big story in a big way with the lead. With the help of the athletics, more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavita Davidson and Anders Kelto, they'll bring you the sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. And look, you can subscribe to the lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. It is in front of our paywall, which is an absolute uh, cool thing I think we're we're doing. And, of course, you can check this all out, theathletic.com slash the lead. So uh, looking forward to that, and that will come out Monday morning. So uh, And then, of course, our Duncan Holder podcast, we will have our next episode later on this week. We'll dive into the news that's going to be happening with Drew Brees, the strategy going forward. I know we'll be touching on LSU, Tulane, 
certainly uh, some interesting matchups for them going forward after some big wins. So we'll dive more into those two teams uh, in our next podcast later this week. So I want to thank Danielle, as always, for putting up with us late tonight uh, after the Saints-Rams rematch in the in the Coliseum. So uh, we'll be back later on this week. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for listening here on Duncan Holder here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Talk to you next time. Thanks. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead, sports up close.